I really like uh, like listen to Mac- some Macklemore songs. I, I like his song um, uh, "And We Danced and We Cried." That's a good. <laughs> I should have known. Laughed <laughs> and had a really, really good, really time. good time. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Oh we oh we oh oh we oh we oh. It's got a little bit of everything, you know? of the gods welcome to episode 41 of the laser comb podcast the weekly show where we comb through random episodes of classic tv with a fine tooth laser i'm the siege one of your hosts and i'm neo cal your other host and uh this week on the laser comb podcast we are talking about one of my favorite television shows of all time and that is stargate sg1 baby uh the reason why i wanted to talk about this was because i discovered a few weeks ago that uh uh july 27th of uh time of recording it's july 19th of 2022 uh july 27th of uh this month marks the 25th anniversary of the premiere of the original episode of sg1 damn yeah 25 years oh it's getting up there big milestone uh, for anyone uh, unfamiliar with uh, Stargate SG One, uh, and if you're like if you're our age or older, like thirties and older, like I'm, good job not being <laughs> familiar with it. First of good all, job, good job not being familiar with Stargate. Um, uh, Stargate w- SG One is a TV series that is uh, ac- actually acts as a sequel to the uh, 1994 film Roland Emmerich directed film uh, Stargate starred uh, Kurt Russell and uh, James Spader, I believe. Uh, Kurt Russell played uh, Colonel Jack O'Neill, uh, the leader of this expedition, and um, James Spader played Dr. Daniel Jackson, uh, two characters that carried over into the uh, uh, television show, although played by different actors. Uh, uh, Daniel Jackson was played by Michael Shanks, and uh, Colonel Jack O'Neill was played by uh richard dean anderson macgyver himself. legend himself yeah 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 he he macgyvered his way into that role uh what's interesting is and i as i was thinking about it this was a lot more common at the time uh than it is now but uh the uh stargate tv show actually treats the film as canon yeah the 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 tv show is essentially a sequel to the movie and what the movie yeah, was, i liked that uh, what the movie, uh, what the basic core concept of Stargate, uh, the original film was uh, about the discovery of this uh, ancient uh, device, a Stargate, that uh, creates a portal to another world. In uh, the case of that film, 
I created a portal to a planet called uh, Abydos. I can't remember if they called it Abydos in the film or if they named it Abydos later on uh, Mm. in the show. But in the show, anyway, it was known as Abydos. And uh, they encountered this race of uh, parasitic uh, uh, beings called uh, the Goa'uld. Mm-hmm. The Goa'uld. So, um... And what the Goa'uld are is essentially, um, they call them symbiotes, which I found out recently is actually a term that uh, Marvel Comics made up for for the symbiotes. (laughs) Yeah, based off the... Um, like venom and carnage and toxin and all of that. I didn't know that they had made the word up, but yeah, SG one just uses the word. It's because it's like symbiotic is is a real word, right? So, right, it's so similar. It just kind of feels like a the the noun version of symbiotic, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That feels fair. like a a word that's always been around. But yeah, yeah. so they're, they're actually like not quite parasites, like you said, like symbiotes. Uh, but they can inhabit uh, intelligent creatures, share a body with them. Yep, they um, they uh, coil themselves around a person's uh, spinal column, and in the case of the Goa'uld, they uh, take over their host wholesale. Uh, there's actually a race of... Um, well, they're still the same race, but I believe they call themselves the Tok'ra. They actually, they, they, they still do the same thing, but they, they don't take over their host. They have more of a share. They share the body, essentially. Yeah. Um, and they, they ended up being allies of the uh, of Stargate Command. Uh, anyway, so the Gua'uld, uh, their MO is they uh, pose as ancient Earth deities. In the case of the film, it was raw. Uh, as I mentioned, SG-1 uh, picked up, uh, treats the original film as canon, picks up sometime later, and they find out that there are, it's not just Raw, there are a whole bunch of them. And for the first, I believe, seven, of seven seasons of SG-1, the main villain was a Goa'uld uh, who called himself Apophis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so SG-1 ran for uh, a total of 10 seasons and I believe 214 episodes. Uh, after the conclusion of season 8, uh, the Goa'uld uh, story arc uh, was considered finished, and they moved on to a uh, completely new story. There were also some cast member changes, too. Richard Dean Anderson left the show and became uh, more of a recurring character. He popped up here and there later on for the final two seasons, but... Uh, replacing him was uh, Ben, actor Ben Browder as uh, Colonel uh, Cameron Mitchell, and also uh, Claudia Black as um, uh, Vala, who yeah. was a character who was introduced, I believe, in season seven or season eight. Uh, she joins the the uh, cast of the show like full time for the the latter two seasons. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, those two actors had worked together uh, previously in an Australian uh, science fiction show called Farscape. See, that's where I know I know her her from. Yeah, and um, I was like, oh, she a uh, she a bad bitch in this too. And uh, I haven't watched this far because all of my Stargate experience we have like opposite Stargate experiences like i had watched the first chunk of seasons but you had picked up like on on the tail end of sg1 yeah yeah uh, so i uh, got into uh, stargate sg1 probably around season seven or so and then i watched through the watch the series as it was airing and then i got into atlantis and yada 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 
So the the Ori what the Ori story arc involves is a race of um, well in Stargate lore there uh, all the technology was built by these uh, ancient beings called the um, uh, depending on where they're from if they're from the Atlantis galaxy they're called the Alterans uh, if they're from the Milky Way galaxy I believe they're called Azurans uh, but regardless uh, they call them the Ancients most of the time the Ancients and, yeah. They're and these an ancient, are the guys that built the Stargates? They built the Stargates and most of the uh, uh, wacky technology that they that they find throughout the series. They don't and, make them uh, like they used to. And uh, the Ancients, what they, what they did was they ascended to a higher plane of being and essentially just became living energy that uh, doesn't interact with the uh, physical world. Now the Ori, um, well, they're the same race of people, but uh, they bad. They they ascended, uh. they ascended and uh, have instead of uh, leaving hu- uh, humanity throughout the galaxy to their own devices, uh, they want people to worship them, because that uh, people worshiping them actually makes them more powerful. Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of um, uh, throughout different kind of like belief systems, uh, as well as like video games or movies or RPGs. The uh, the more powerful a deity is depends on the like number of followers they have. Like in the D and D universe, they actually gain power. Right. Gods actually gain power based on uh, the acts and the the acts of their followers and the number of followers they they have. Right. So it's just I, like Instagram. intriguing. It's just like Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of power you have is based on the number of people that worship you. <laughs> <laughs> the number of uh, uh, likes you get on your uh, 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 like dancing videos that you do. Oh wait, that's TikTok. Oh, it's all it's all blending together but, but and being TikTok. the same now, right? <laughs> and uh, TikTok is spilled into every other social media platform. Well, the difference is one is owned by the Zuck, and the other is owned by Big China. <laughs> right. So it depends on who you want spying on you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so. The the Ori story arc draws heavily from Arthurian legend. Uh, we don't really go into that much in this episode, but um, like the first episode of uh, season nine of SG One, which began this whole arc, um, was called Avalon. So it draws heavily from uh, Arthurian legend. Uh, I really Ori story arc isn't. It's kind of polarizing with Stargate fans. A lot of Stargate fans don't really like it. Uh, I like it a lot personally mm. because uh, one, I actually really like. Uh, uh, Colonel Mitchell, and I really like Vala, which I'll get into more in a minute. And I really like the uh, Arthurian legend, like they end up meeting uh, an ancient named uh, Merlin at one point. And, um, is and he also, an old dude with a beard? Uh, or is he a young, um, sprightly girl? Uh, he He's an old dude with a beard, if I recall correctly. But he's uh, actually a gray alien! Woo! No, no, that, that's the Asgard. Oh he's, right, he's an ancient. <laughs> yeah, all of the technology in uh, in uh, Stargate comes from either the Ancients or the Asgard, basically. Yeah. Anyway, so I I really like the the Ori story arc, so I'm kind of glad we landed on one of these episodes. Oh, okay. Uh, I also really like the. Um, I find the 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 methods of like the the ori and like the ori priors like going and like trying to convert people i find it like somewhat symbolic of uh the spread of christianity 
in yeah i i dig that that mix and um if people are like oh it got like weird and like the religious allegories like were too strong it's like what show were you watching because right. like when it when it hits christianity maybe that's too close for home too close to home for yeah, some people whereas when you're looking at like agent ancient Egypt, egyptian like gods and stuff ha 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 that's fantasy right and i bet you there was a lot of knee-jerk reactions when it started hitting arthurian legend and more modern still alive uh <laughs> religious symbolism and yeah, metaphors yeah. and and that kind of stuff but it's like i mean i liked beast machines when like nobody liked beast machines so uh, i i could get behind something like this right um yeah and the, like the show isn't overt about it like it's very symbolic but like yeah uh, uh, unlike all of the other like religions in the the show like ancient religions and ancient mythologies like they just tackle it directly but if here they're they're you they're being a lot more symbolic about it yeah yeah um like, so i feel like they kind of have to the, exactly and, and, and i don't know it's it's interesting to turn that kind of on its head and make it sci-fi <laughs> right um so like pr pretend you're only vaguely familiar with like stargate um why are there humans everywhere across the galaxy <laughs> i'm glad you asked because I, thank you <laughs> because in ancient times the gold system lords uh kidnapped people from uh earth in various points so earth is like where we stemmed from yep in this lore okay okay i'm with you yeah, they they use the uh, the Stargates to uh, kidnap people from Earth and take them to other worlds to be used as slaves. And so, so that's why humanity, genetically speaking, is basically like spread throughout the galaxy, just unaware. Yeah, for the most part. Okay, and um, so that's that explains the humans. Uh, what are the Jafar? Uh, the Jaffa are humans who were uh, modified to uh, by the Gwawul to essentially be um, uh, incubators for larva Gwawul. So they don't lose their consciousness to the Gwawul. They are hosting them. Well, they yeah they that uh because because of the way they've been genetically modified a guauld can't actually like symbiotically bond to a jaffa jaffas have these like sacks in their stomachs yeah kind of like replacing their like belly button uh, yeah re and replacing like their internal organs and yada 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 and uh that essentially uh incubates the the larva uh uh Gwawuld serpents and the, the uh the trade-off of that is um jaffa tend to be very strong and very healthy and they live a really long time like okay uh, what happens years. if the jaffa don't have uh then uh, they die so they actually do need yeah a gold uh inside of them to survive yeah um now when it comes to the gold they are um kind of icky like sci-fi like like tentacle creatures yeah, they, that <laughs> they look kind of like snakes yeah kind of like snakes yeah um uh, i wanted to host... point out uh, one thing i wanted to point out is um uh, in the show they ended up um once the jaffa liberated themselves from the gold uh they ended up uh, developing a essentially a serum that they can take that will that's like literally it's basically made from like old uh stem cells 
that and will, what does the serum do uh it makes it so they can still live and have all the benefits of uh having a larva gold in their stomach without actually having one. Oh, and is it like a vaccine or is this something they have to continuously take uh, i think it's something they have to take periodically interesting yeah. okay okay um and you had mentioned that like the jaffa are like stronger and uh, they live longer and they're hardier and stuff does yeah. that mean anybody that's hosting uh, or rather uh somebody that's been taken over by a gold um are they like stronger and like yeah. faster and hardier oh yeah uh, so they do super they they make that whoever is uh, hosting them kind of well, godlike uh yeah they're uh literally they become liter that person be becomes immortal like there have been people who have been separated from their um uh in the show there have been uh system lords who've been separated from their human hosts and the human hosts are just like oh my god like it's been fought like five thousand years oh interesting and when they're separated uh from their human host the human host kind of like do they remember everything they experienced or is it kind of like um they're not in the driving seat but they're in the passenger seat and they're experiencing as someone else like runs their their life i think it varies depending on uh kind of varies yeah depending on how long they've been uh, uh they've been taken over you get to keep your superpowers when they leave <laughs> no oh but you don't like they don't rapidly like decay to dust and turn into a skeleton they just presume aging from whatever yep they just become mortal from then on okay that's weird kind of cool though yeah uh, that's a neat right. franchise i could uh i, I could uh, talk about the uh all of the lore surrounding i think we hit like the what the, the I, I could continue talking about it for hours. So uh, this week on the Lasercomb podcast, we are talking about episode 180 of uh, Stargate SG-1, which is the sixth episode of season nine, Beachhead. It originally, Beachhead. It originally aired on uh, August 19th, 2005. Uh, so the episode opens with a uh, on a planet somewhere. Uh, Stargate opens and a uh, dude in a cloak with a staff, with a wizard staff emerges. Dude with a cloak and a wizard staff holding a, a holy book. Holding uh, holding the Bible, basically. Holding the Bible comes... Uh, I like how he looks. It's like not quite human. Yeah. Uh, he he is what is known as a prior of the Ori. Uh, and his job is essentially to... Uh, well, there there are various pri the the Ori have like many priors out there, right? And and it seems like he he shows up and he must have already been there or something like that because they're familiar with him and he's like, hey, I gave you guys the true book. Yeah. What do you, what do you guys think? Did you guys yeah. read it? And they're like, we thumbed through it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the the prior the Ori priors are essentially like super powered uh, missionaries. Yeah, basically way. from like civilization or um um what's that uh RTS game <laughs> with the missionaries that can convert the enemy troops. Uh Age of Empires. Oh, Age of Empires, yeah. Super powered like Age of Empires, uh Yeah. So so their job is to to go to planets and uh give the people there the book of origin, the essentially the Bible, and be like, hey, study this, start and start worshiping the the Ori. And uh, well, uh, much like uh, 
uh, Christianity spread uh, throughout the world back in the day. Um, well, if you say no, fuck you, it's uh, not going to end well for you. <laughs> so it's all you have to do is give up your false gods and say hello to the Ori. Yeah. So uh, so he goes to this planet. Uh, it's a Jaffa planet. And as as you mentioned, there he's like, "So, did you read the book?" And they're like, "Yeah, we we totally read it." And uh, well, we just uh, got rid of uh, uh, being ruled by uh, other false gods for the past like five thousand years. Wouldn't you know it? We're kind of sick of your shit. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't you know it? We're not we're not really looking to get into that kind of relationship again. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna gonna have to gonna have ask, to ask you to to, to get. <laughs> uh, you know, grab your pants and uh, and uh, shut the door on Take your way your out. wizard staff and get the hell out of here, buddy. And uh, he's like, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, well, one way or another, this world is going to serve the aura. And so they start shooting at him, and a big force field uh, envelops around uh, him and the Stargate. And then he's, and he's like, all like, oh, that's a shame, because he's like, reciting passages from his book and stuff and uh he does some wizard shit i actually laughed out loud <laughs> you did too so he does like force push and just like blows all of these jaffa like so far off into the distance that it they might have gone horrible. into orbit yeah. like, it was almost like an anime uh in pokemon when um pikachu blasts team rocket away and they go, looks like Team Rocket's blasting off again. And then they like turn into a star. The yeah. CG of like the PNG file that were like <laughs> all of the, <laughs> uh, all of the, um, the Jaffa that were using their blasters uh, kind of just spins off. And he didn't just force push them like I was expecting him to. And, you know, they fall on the ground and like get knocked out. No, like off into the horizon. Off into the horizon. And you, you want to know why is because that's a cheaper visual effect to pull off. I was going to say that's probably way easier than like connecting them to like Kung Fu wires and pulling yeah. them across the stage. And yeah. Uh, when I was watching this earlier, I actually, I noticed like little, uh, actually like really clever editing tricks that they do in this show to, to save money. It's like, like, uh, you'll hear the iconic sound of like the gate like dialing up and then you'll hear the the whoosh of uh the event horizon but you won't see it you won't actually see the visual effect but you know what it's ha it, what's happening because and of, a bright light yeah. shines on the the cast yeah to show that they're they're yeah. they're, they're in front of it <laughs> yeah and then the camera will cut to like the the front of the gate and like someone stepping through it and then the the wormhole will shut right away yeah the, the, they're pretty it's clever. I, I I admire that. That's that's a neat way to uh, to save uh, to save on your effects budget. Yeah. No, I I I, I enjoy that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. In these shows. Uh, so before humanity gets any uh, word of what's going on here, um, their text um, SG one base uh, gets a big old interstellar text. <laughs> like literally, <laughs> they're like, oh, like. The worm, the Stargate is being activated. Oh, it's just a text message. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> and they're like, it's in Gwauld. We need somebody who speaks this. And I'm like, really? There aren't like a hundred scientists or engineers that have like worked on this language over the last like 
Yeah, you've been fighting these guys for like a decade now. You think there would be like numerous people all over the world who numerous, numerous like bookworms like all over this ready to go. You know, like, hey, you need somebody to read this, but apparently no. There's like three dudes that read <laughs> that read this. <laughs> so fortunately, they have Teal'c, who is a uh, uh, a Jaffa. He he was uh, the first Jaffa to actually in the show to rebel against the um, uh, rebel against the the Goa'uld. And oh, yeah, yeah, uh, Teal'c, one of my favorite characters, as played He's by hair. As played by uh, Christopher Judge, who uh, a lot of people now will know as the voice of Kratos in that oh, yeah. uh, in that God of War uh, semi reboot, but sort also sequel. Yeah, God God of War. Yeah, he's yeah, got the, a kid. Yeah, the he's his boy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, legitimately one of the greatest games of uh, last gen, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, and I say that as a uh, as an Xbox guy, primarily. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. I need to get around to finishing it, <laughs> but yeah, Teal. It's like, hey, buddy, we we got you. You need to read these texts, and he uh, they're playing basketball actually when they go get them. Which yeah, they find. Yeah, they're they're just like goofing around playing basketball. Uh, Vala is there. Uh, speaking of people who um, have been separated from Gwold symbiotes in the show, she. Uh, was host to uh, a Gwold at one point. I can't remember what the name of her symbiote was, but it doesn't matter. But anyway, she's uh, she's an example of of a, a person surviving being possessed by the gold. Okay, okay. And um, at the beginning of the episode, it was like previously on Stargate SG One, and it was like something about magic bracelets and like this. She couldn't be separated from. Uh, I think it was Daniel Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then they get the the bracelets off, but the effects still linger here uh, so and they, there. Yeah. So if they get too far apart from one another, uh, it's bad for both of their healths. So they they got to stay in close proximity. So essentially, it's an excuse to have Vala as a tag along in this episode. I was going to say because they can't afford um, Daniel Jackson to. Uh, get sick or die or whatever he's like single-handedly like holding the franchise i mean the stargate program uh on his sh- shoulders here uh funny enough he actually left the show for one season i believe it was in season six and he was replaced by a character named uh jonas quinn huh i can't i don't know if i recall that uh jonas quinn uh not not a very memorable character Oh, okay. I, I don't think I'm going to draw much ire by saying that either. <laughs> so yeah, what happens here? They're all sitting in the um, the round table discussing, and uh, Teal'c is like, "Oh, th- this is um, this is Nearest, uh, a lesser Goa'uld, and uh, uh, he 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 a bitch." <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's a lesser uh, Goa'uld. He uh, has previously has been uh, associated with uh, Lord Ball, who is one of my one of my favorite villains in the entire show and uh, uh ball Ball's being great. the lord of chaos and destruction in the dnd verse <laughs> uh, but uh, what is he in in, in in stargate he's actually quite suave oh he's quite suave quite a smooth talker a uh, very attractive older man too um and they're like well we can't trust him because you know he he's weasley also his name's nearest and um, 
before he even comes through because he's he's like hey guys can i come and hang out i want to help you um i'm like oh okay so it's nero like emperor nero <laughs> right yeah yeah um, um who was a ro- blah 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 very quick um very quick uh sidebar um emperor nero is um that uh the neckbeard roman emperor who was super um who was super indulgent um spent a lot of the royal uh, treasury on um games and uh festivals and parties and uh was super into the arts and actors and um poets and blah 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 and kind of just uh was very what's is hedonistic yeah there we go it's very, say, sounds like a hell of a dude <laughs> self-indulgent yeah hedonistic um not a fan the senate the senate wasn't a big fan of him and i think uh well if he's bankrupting the uh the treasury I, I, yeah <laughs> if he's um, bankrupting the, the treasury so he can like essentially be like uh, drunk and fuck and entertained, <laughs> essentially, and have statues made of him, and yeah, um, and uh, yeah, he uh, people weren't a big fan of him because uh, Roman kind of Rome kind of needed uh, that expansionist, um, uh, that expansionist of way of life to keep its to to keep everybody happy, and uh, I think he was that the one that offed himself. Yeah, the Senate like declared him an enemy of the people, and before he faced any repercussions, he poetically decided to. Yeah, didn't end he it like himself? Didn't he like stab himself or something? Like in the oh, stomach? he did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He died at the young, young age. Uh, well, oh, I, actually, that's not that young for that for that era. Thirty. <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh, he reigned from uh, AD 54 to AD 68. Had but a good if, run, my dude. <laughs> but if the Bible has taught me anything, it's that people lived for hundreds of years back in the day. That, I think that's just a few people that like hit 60 and had big wizard beards, and they just bullshit, because everybody <laughs> lived to like 15. So when there's like a dude who lived to like 70, they're like, he's 700 years old. He has to be. My, my father knew him. And it's like, your father's like 14 years older than you. Shut up, man. Well, it, there was actually a, uh, <laughs> uh, the, somebody in the, the Catholic church in like the, the sixth century or something like that. Um, they, and this is how like uh, Christianity gets the idea that, oh, the, the world is only like 7,000 years old and blah, blah. So fundamentalists. He, yeah. 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 So this, like uh, this priest, like, uh, in like like I said, the sixth century or something, he essentially like took the lifespans of like all of like the main like patriarchal figures in the Bible and added them all together. And what he got was he got around like six thousand and something years old. He was like specific, like right down to the day. He's like, oh, and the world was created on a Tuesday, according to this. And so according to this guy's like stuff too, like uh the, like Noah apparently lived to like over 900 and stuff like that. I always thought they just added a zero onto, <laughs> <laughs> onto these guys lifespans. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, Methuselah 400 years old, sure. Right. 
you know what that's the weird thing there's so much thing in the bible that like for instance uh trending right now is like uh, and for the last year is like biblically accurate angels uh-oh but the thing is it's just the entries of ezekiel and right. in the entry it says that he's walking around getting high on shrooms <laughs> <laughs> or like a fermented like fruit and he, he's like seeing shit and his depictions are of like the six winged angels um uh that are like what are those the cherubi or whatever and like the 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 ones that are like two sets of um like a gyro it's like they're like wheels with made out of eyes with like wings coming out of them and they're like oh geez biblically accurate angels i'm like it's one high dude so it's, it's one a high dude, dude that came back and somebody's like, I got to write this down. And now it's like, <laughs> so, so it's a guy who got like, who was tripping balls and looking through a, a kaleidoscope and was like, Oh, <laughs> or he's eating chicken or something and like flapping the wings. And he's like, Whoa, are you guys seeing this? And they're like, that's your own hand. And it's like, but what if there were like angels but like they had the head of an eagle and an ox and a lion and me. And they're like, stop, dude. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, I, I, I better uh, like, you know, hydrate myself. So I come out of this and then just started fucking drinking wine and kept that high, go <laughs> high going. They're made out of wheels and eyes and they're on fire. <laughs> and they just chant, holy, holy, holy forever. And it's like, okay away you go but uh apparently that made it and in, into some sort of his what a dude what a bro his well, it, high adventure is remembered thousands of years later so well what and, more could uh, you ask for i i say this as someone who identifies as catholic it seems just <laughs> as likely as any other religion or mythology throughout history like <laughs> one one dude in particular like says he saw some shit and everyone's like sounds legit yeah and they were probably high or on a vision quest <laughs> yeah well the uh it, the 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 vikings like the the berserkers would essentially like they would drink like a oh. potion that would make them like trip balls they would snort and eat shit that would like make them like high and not feel pain and some sort of cocaine <laughs> their speed shit that went through them and uh yeah yeah it was this they, like they went nuts they would use like all these weird like plants and stuff and like literally like make a potion like a i think it was called a berserkers brew or something they would brew this like potion that would make them like go nuts go nuts feel no pain and no no fear I, odin I, it, it worked i'm for coming them. for thee <laughs> take me all father and that's the thing. It's like, sure, you know, like maybe if you have your head about you, uh, you can like survive and be very tactical. But sometimes a seven foot tall, super high Viking without a shirt and two axes, like jumping like six feet in the air and screaming is enough to break ranks. And uh, <laughs> sometimes those guys survive long enough to to have their own legend. <laughs> Uh, there was actually a notable Viking, uh, and we'll get back to Stargate in a second here, but uh, there was a notable Viking um, uh, uh, berserker who, uh, at the Battle of Stamford Bridge in uh, England in 1066, this is when uh, the Vikings actually took over England for a few years. Yeah, this is when they started showing up in droves, people. 
Uh, and uh, there, at the the Battle of Stamford Bridge, there was one Berserker Viking who actually like held off like the entire like, the, like all of the British forces single handedly on this on a bridge. I want to know how big this bridge is, and I want to know how big and high that guy was. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've always been really fascinated by that story. I, I did a bunch of research about it when I was in university because I was writing a screenplay um, that was the heavily like fiction. Uh, fictitious version of that oh cool yeah there's there's often throughout like mankind's like mythology but also history kind of um like uh, battles of 300 or battles of one person holding a uh, a bridge or a cliff or yeah. that kind of thing and uh, man you give a guy a spear and you make the area narrow enough and eventually those bodies start creating a pretty good barricade and right. it just gets easier after the first 100. <laughs> they're, they're having to like climb over their dead buddies. And just... you poke your head out and then he gets stabbed in the head. <laughs> you poke your head up and you just get decapitated. Yeah. The the more bodies there are, the easier it gets. Maybe <laughs> maybe you maybe they take a little snack break. <laughs> <laughs> like two guys down at the uh down at the uh bottom of this like mound of bodies see like um like Jordan's like head, severed head, like fall down, and they're like, go for "You guys go tea. first." <laughs> cup of tea, and now you can't even arrow him because there's a pile of bodies in the way. That that's my thought. Is eventually they they rush, they get to the shields and the armor and the bodies, and they all kind of like pile up, and then it just becomes easier and easier for that like one dude to stand behind the pile of bodies and hack away. Uh, singing, easier than chopping firewood screaming let the bodies hit the floor <laughs> in ancient Swedish <laughs> no no, yeah, um, no 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 they'd be listening to a Monomarth you're goddamn right <laughs> my favorite band ladies and so gentlemen. yeah <laughs> where, where were we oh right near us okay through. so Vala is trying to discourage uh, them from giving, from inviting Neerus uh, to the SGC. General Landry, um, the only good gold is a dead one. <laughs> uh, General Landry, who is played by Bo Bridges. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, the Big Lebowski, Jeff Bridges. It's his brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, it is. Uh, so General Landry uh, is like. I didn't care about this guy until I read that he is uh, the inventor of a lot of uh, Guawul technology. So I'm yeah, kind of so they're like, let's he hear what he has to. What let's hear what he has to say. And Vala is like, no, no, don't don't bring him here. She's like starts looking at his list of food demands. Oh and... right, because um, Stark uh, SG Team Three met him. Yeah. And they're like making sure he doesn't have weapons or any troops or anything. And yeah, he has like a, a, a list of like food requirements. And uh, she says something along the lines of uh, like ripened something egg. Ripened something eggs. We don't <laughs> even have those here. <laughs> and uh, uh, General Landry is like, we got eggs. Don't know if they're ripe or not. <laughs> <laughs> We uh, come back to that later, which I appreciate, like at the end of the with the, eggs, the episode yeah. when he's all like, oh, these aren't nearly ripened enough. I'm like, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, when this dude, I, I, uh, showed... I, I, I like the bit with the chicken later on, too. Yeah, <laughs> that seems quite funny. So, oh, the... yeah, because he's never had chicken. Yeah. 
uh, so weird the, because so, you're emperor. Anyways, the dude shows up and he's exactly what you expect him to be. Like he's dressed like a fucking huge, fat, like indulgent Roman dude. Yeah, um, I gotta look up who plays him because he, this guy looks so familiar to me. Like I'm sure I've seen him in... Uh, Maury Chaikin. Uh, Maury Chaikin. Let's check this guy out. Yeah, what what do I know him from? Let's find out here, folks. We're doing some live uh, uh, legitimate journalism. Oh, he passed away. American Canadian actor, best known for his portrayal of Detective Nero Wolf. Wait, what? Hey, he played a Nero. He, what the heck? Is this guy just fill the roles of? That's that's wild, huh? <laughs> uh looking at it so he liked playing characters named nero <laughs> yeah, i'm looking at his filmography and nothing's jumping out so far but holy Golden shit spiders and nero things. wolf mystery and a and e telefilm oh, adaptation he's from i i know where i recognize him from he's from dances with wolves he's the guy who sends uh uh kevin costner off to right he fills a lot of those roles of because he's in what is he prosecution witness in my cousin Vinny. Oh, yeah, yeah. My Cousin Vinny. Yeah. Great movie. The Mask of Zorro. Oh, yeah, he was the prison warden in The Mask of Zorro. Okay, so he's just a guy who's been in, like, everything, basically. Yeah, so he's been in a lot of supporting roles. Oh, yeah, he's uh, in a ton of stuff. He was in Entourage. Uh, oh, Less Than Kind, which received a 2010 Gemini Award. Oh, tons and tons of stuff. Jeez, I'm looking yeah, yeah. at his filmography now. Wow, okay, never mind. So, like, so actually, that, like... Yeah. It, that, that's that lots why, of work. Let's just say that. That's Holy why I said shit. he was just one of those guys who was kind of in everything. Actually in everything. Like all the way back to like like the late 60s. Like Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had a good run. Passed away in uh 2010. So uh rip in peace. Yeah. Rip in, rip rip in peace, peace Mari. <laughs> uh so he shows up and he doesn't uh, have a single year missing out of his <laughs> I know, right up to his death too. The guy, the yeah. guy worked. Uh, yeah, so Nero, good, good for him. <laughs> so Nero shows up, and uh, he uh, immediately like goes to Teal'c, and he's like, "Ah, the liberator!" He's like so excited. He's like the liberator of the Jaffa people. Uh, how nice to meet you! And then he sees Daniel Jackson, and he's like, "And Doctor Daniel Jackson, did you know that they that I heard that you single handedly defeated Apophis?" And Daniel Jackson's like, wait, who's saying that? He's just immediately skeptical. I just like how this uh, Nearest is just like uh, flattering them. He's buttering them up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But then I, he, I expected no, no less. <laughs> but then, he, then he gets to, uh, to Colonel Mitchell and he's like, wait, you're, you're not. And Mitchell's like, nope. Nope. And then, and then Nearest is like, but is, is he going to, to be here? Nope. And again, he's like, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I like and that. And we know that he's taught they're talking about um uh uh Jack O'Neill, yeah. O'Neill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then he like kind of uh walks over to um uh uh what was her name? Uh uh Vala. Vala. He walks over to Vala and he's like, You're not her. <laughs> you're not you're not uh uh Colonel Carter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and she's like, nope. 
Yeah, it's a. And he's like, uh, and he looks around, right? Because this isn't a great. Like there aren't pyramids. There aren't like Greek like buildings like where most statues are located or out in the middle of the desert, like somewhere like fantastic. He's in a bunker. And that made me realize for the first time, this is, this is a, an ugly welcoming for many people coming to earth for the (laughs) first time, like a a boring concrete, like bunker with a ramp. (laughs) They are a hundred stories down inside uh, Cheyenne mountain in Colorado. In case they ever need to. Yeah. It's, Uh, it's in case it's down there. Uh, it's in case they need to blow up the Stargate. Uh, because it's like not it, supposed to exist. If something, if something uh, truly dangerous and like, uh, like a planetary threat uh, is going to come through the Stargate, it, it's down there so they can destroy the Stargate without like actually harming the planet. And indeed, Nereus is kind of like this. This wasn't what I expected of the the victors of the galaxy. Had a oh, cool. the great Tauri. Yeah, <laughs> the name the uh, the the name of the uh, uh, of humans uh, of the people of Earth in um, uh, to the to the gold to and the gold, the, yeah, and uh, the Javon. and they're like, all right, well, come on, I'll show you to your quarters, and he's all like, oh, is all of this necessary? I hope you've received my dietary requirements. Apparently, his dietary requirements are just a gigantic like feast. Yep, a big old smorgasbord. Big old smorgasbord with everything. and um, But they're like, hey, buddy, what's the deal? And he's all like, oh, yes, uh, technology, right? And um, he very quickly shows them a um, like a 3D projection from like a little device of a planet. Yeah, and something like, like this like, is from uh, one of my satellites. This is I like a 3D. Star, I think in Star Wars, they call them holocrons. Are those something things basically like that, that, like a hollow project, like a person or an object? Yeah, yeah, and you can put them in droids and that kind of thing, and it projects a, a planet. And he's like, "Oh, this is taken from one of my satellites." Um, but basically, he's like, uh, "There are these big bads, and you need to go fuck them up because they're enemies of me too." Yeah, he's and- like, he's like, this, this is the Ori, and they're like, "Hang on, we already know about the Ori. This is this is old news." He's like. Ah, but what they're doing here on this Jaffa planet is they are, uh, there is this energy shield that is expanding greatly around, uh, from coming from the Stargate. And we, indeed, this is the shield that we saw the prior put up. Uh, this thing is, uh, expanding and eventually it's going to engulf the entire planet. We got to do something about it. And, uh, General Landry is like, this kind of sounds like a Jaffa problem. What does this have to do with us? And at that moment, I was like, aren't the Jaffa and the Tauri allies? But then I, I remembered um, later on in the episode. So I was confused by that. But later on in the episode, I was like, right, there was a uh, there was a there there was a divide when this um, uh, uh, this Garrick guy like took over uh, being the leader of the Jaffa because right. he, he wasn't a big fan of Earth. OK, OK. They're not at war. They're just not. It so there, there's just a few because I actually liked a lot of this. Uh, there's just a few criticisms, and one is that very old sci-fi um, trope of the barely willing, like like a confrontational, like alien force. Right, and we actually reviewed on the Lasercomb uh, podcast, um, uh, one of the. Uh, 
I think it was Star Trek Enterprise. Right. This race that begrudgingly works alongside humankind. And that that kind of like just lead with force before diplomacy. I don't know if that would really work if you're an interstellar species. Well, and indeed, that's like one of shoot the... shoot first, ask questions later. That, that's actually something uh, uh, in Star Trek is that like basically people with uh like that kind of mentality don't tend to develop warp like advance far enough to become interstellar explorers see they say uh, that interesting in star trek but then you also have races like the klingons who uh, like attack like every races like that yeah. yeah so it's it's kind of just lip service in uh star trek but um uh anyway so they uh they're trying to dial this gate, but because it's still open, they can't dial it. And indeed, um, Nearest tells them he's like, uh, yeah, this gate is uh, uh, staying open, has been open for two days now. But Landry and, and everyone else are like, hang on. That, hang on. That's that, not how it works. That's, impo that's impossible. A gate can only be open for 38 minutes. That's, uh, that's the laws of wormhole physics. And Nearest is like, I know, right? These Ori are like, are are really bad. Oh, they're so, really bad and really powerful, which is why you need to, uh, you you need to, to stop them with. You need to send the biggest force possible. You need to like blow them up with your most powerful weapons. Yeah, and right away. And here's my second gripe. I, again, I like the episode, but I, I talk about the good and bad. It's so fucking obvious what the twists in this episode are. And how dumb everybody is to seeing it, that it kind of suspends my disbelief because we're supposed to have extremely smart people like Jackson and Carter <laughs> on the show, but they don't find out like the energy thing. We'll get to that, but the energy from the weapons, from them trying to fight the Ori like force field actually empowers it. Yeah, yeah. Um, they find that out like 10 minutes later than the audience does. And I know they're, they're trying to make the audience feel smart and notice things at the same rate the characters are noticing them, but it was a little painful. <laughs> so I, I saw, like, I, I to me it was obvious that Neris was going to betray them somehow and that he was working uh, with the R.I. That to me was pretty Bala obvious. Bala is saying that the whole time, too. She's that and I'm like, time. why isn't anyone listening to her? <laughs> I, I actually, I... I thought the twist was neat especially the way that uh carter explains it too like no no the explanation the science explanation when we get into the black holes later i i i'm actually love all of that it's just weird that they're like huh it's growing the more we shoot it better blow it up or better keep shooting and i'm like guys well I they well they they weren't really sure why it was growing just that it um but they they did speculate that uh the the jaffa blasters uh shooting the the prior in the shield uh has like done something to the atmosphere in there it's basically inhospitable yeah inside and the shield. indeed they were like well how's the prior uh surviving there by the will of the ori by the will of the ori uh so anyway or, you they... know some personal shield 
Or that too, yeah. So they um, they gate off to another world and meet up with uh, the Prometheus, which is uh, Earth's uh, first interstellar uh, starship that I believe was built in season five or season six. Of so the show. this is where it gets like extra sci-fi. It's not just about world hopping. They have a spaceship. Earth yep. has a spaceship. Yep, yep. the uh, the Prometheus. Like I said, it was built, I think, in like season five or season six of the show. That's kind of cool. It's Earth's only one, and there's a captain on it. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'm on board with this. No As- nonsense. It has Asgard beam technology, which is basically a transporter from Star Trek. So I was going to ask, how do they have? <laughs> how did they transport onto it? <laughs> uh, a lot of the stuff from the Prometheus is um, so. The the Asgard they're 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 a benevolent race of aliens uh, in uh, Stargate SG one. They are their appearance is the inspiration for the gray aliens, uh, but they all have names like Thor, Heimdall, Loki, Odin. When they've interacted with humans of the past, they've taken on the vis- visage of humans. Yeah, basically they um they use holograms to make themselves look like powerful Vikings when they appeared to the the ancient uh, uh the ancient Norse. And why wouldn't you? What else would you want to appear as? Right? Especially if you're like a three foot tall, like skinny, like gray skinny, alien. Like weak little <laughs> alien with like big black head. eyes. And we, we actually find out in the show that the Asgard didn't always look that way. They looked uh human at one point. Oh, um, they basically their technology got the better of them to the point and they became like so intellectual that they stopped uh well they stopped reproducing the old-fashioned way and just started cloning themselves and you get so like up your own ass you're like oh i couldn't be bothered to bone (laughs) the opposite the opposite sex i just throw a couple clones of me in the vat and (laughs) So over the course of thousands of years, they've just been cloning themselves and like each time, like, and it's got to a point where they've gone from looking human to just looking, um, well, like gray aliens. And indeed, well, they were up, human or they were humanoid and uh, then they, they were, changed. They were humanoid. Yeah. And then oh. due to essentially, you know how when you, um, uh, you know how when you take a cassette tape and uh, copy it to another cassette tape. This is ancient technology at this point, but when you take a cassette tape, copy it to another cassette, take that copy, and then copy that to another cassette, and take that copy. It loses quality uh, quality every time. So that's basically the gist of You save a JPEG, you re-upload it, someone else saves it, re-upload it, and you see that same image or meme like three years later, and the artifacting is so bad, it's... yeah. So that's that's basically the gist of uh, what's uh, what the dealio is with the the Asgard. Um, but so they they in uh, SG one uh, storyline of SG one they needed uh, the help of uh, Earth to fight these uh, race this race of machines that they had created called replicators. I remember that, yeah, because they couldn't figure out how to stop them, and they're like, so we need your help because you're. Uh, Super primitive projectile weapons seem to be the only thing effective against the replicators. So in exchange, hunks of metal at at high speeds. Yeah. So so in exchange for uh, Earth helping the Asgard deal with the replicators, the Asgard started sharing their technology with Earth. Uh, no weapons though. Uh, just uh, they they 
shared hyperspace technology, beam technology, things that are useful, but nothing that could actually be weaponized, which is why in the show, like they can, they have like hyperspace and transporters and stuff, but they're still like beaming nukes and firing missiles. I, yeah, I, I noticed that. I was like, okay, so no like super sci-fi tech, but they're still launching like freaking like Tomahawk missiles through space yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just beaming down bombs. Yeah, I, I think it's the American neat. way. Damn it! I, I no, I actually do like that. I think it's neat. It's unique. It's you don't see that kind of thing in sci-fi. Like it, with sci-fi shows, it's either like um, like rustic, like Star Wars type, like dirty, like technology, or it's like futuristic, like Star Trek stuff. It's it's like all or nothing. You never see the the kind of way they go about it in stargate which is something i appreciate i i kind of i i don't know i thought that was interesting but yeah. then like all right fire and just these like <laughs> missiles go up have like a little exhaust thing they kind of like write themselves and fly off and i'm like i dig that <laughs> uh so they uh beam down to inside the shield because uh nearest tells them that the the more the shield expands, the easier it is to get through it. So as the shield has continued expanding, they can actually like uh, use the Asgard beam technology to beam uh, to within the shield. And they, they beam a, um, what is I, I think uh, Carter says it's a uh, nine gigaton Naquita bomb. Something like that. And it's basically the strongest ex like uh, atomic weapon that, mankind has never used yeah yeah it's the most powerful uh, uh weapon uh on earth it's like a nuke that's also uh infused with naquita mm. which uh naquita is the material that the stargates are made out of it's super conductive it's also a power source as well naquita okay so this is a different like it's a special metal that makes these work yeah and then they end up at one point in the show uh, discovering a even more powerful version of it called Nequadria. Oh, that's better even than more power okay. than Aquita. Anyway, so, like so stronger than adamantine is what you're. <laughs> yeah, uh, and produces more energy. Uh, so anyway, they beam down um, to the planet. Primitive Earth kinetic weaponry. <laughs> <laughs> the, they beam I, I love that. By the way, that little tidbit that you shared, and I actually actually remember it. They're like, you seem to be able to project chunks of metal at high velocities, and our energy weapons are so advanced that like we we need we we need you guys to start throwing spears and rocks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they they quite literally are like, yes, um, we are far too sophisticated to make a uh, such a primitive weapon as effective as your P ninety assault rifles. So we need your help. I think that's hilarious, but I think that's it. And I like it. I actually do like it, but it's dumb to think that like advanced man, like let's say humankind lives to a thousand years from now and we'd like look at a bow and arrow and we'd be like, we have no idea how they, how they made this. No, we have no idea how it was even fired. Yeah. Like what? No, <laughs> the Asgard would have been able to make like M16s. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, you're definitely correct. It's but it's a um, it's just a, a neat little uh, uh, excuse to. I still like it to be yeah. like, hey, we need humans. Well, let's let's work together. 
So yeah, that is, so that explains why they've got a damn spaceship. Yep. <laughs> Alien tech, damn it. Anyways, I really like that. <laughs> um so they beam out into the planet with this uh this Naquita nuke, this nuke Yeah, and they're in kind of like spacesuits. Yeah, they're in space. I like because... that they don't even talk to the prior first. He's like 20 feet away, but they're just talking to each other and setting this bomb up <laughs> like right bomb. in front of him. And he's just standing there with his wizard staff and book being like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so uh, 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 Mitchell goes over to uh, to the, the prior and is like, hey, so you know what that thing is over there? That's a bomb. It's going to go boom. It's going to it's designed to blow up stargates. It's going to vaporize the stargate in 30 minutes and uh, anyone along with it. So uh, you got 30, 30 minutes to get out of here. And the prior prior just ignores them or like he like says some stuff and he's like, hey, did you not hear what I said? Like this shit's going to blow in 30 minutes. And then uh, Daniel, I shall ascend to blah, blah, blah. I, I, my, my gods will, will take me into heaven with, uh, o- with open arms. Yeah. And then he kind of like turns over to Daniel Jackson and he's like, your turn. <laughs> and Daniel Jackson goes off on this, like this, like rant about how we're like, we're going to stand up to you. We're going to defeat you. Fuck you guys. Blah, 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 blah. And- it's a very cut and dry. Like, Hey, we're protecting this galaxy. Uh, we don't want you here. Um, yeah. If you stay here and threaten us, uh, we will destroy you. Yeah. And then Mitchell looks at him and he's like, dude, I gave him 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and indeed, then, yeah, they're kind of cut to him and they're like, that's like that. That's how you diplomatically handle this. And I'm like, wow, he's gone through a lot. But yeah, it's this kind of like show be like, hey, how's it going? And he seems to know who these people are, by the way. Uh, Daniel Jackson died. It, remember when I said he left for a season and was replaced by the forgettable right, Jonas Quay? Right. Uh, it was a reason why he actually left was because Michael Shanks wanted to be paid more. Um, which, to be fair, I, I think at the time he was like one of the lowest paid. At, like he was the uh, lowest paid of the the four main leads, even though he was one of the most popular. So it's like, yeah, I, I get it. Worth. I get yeah, he it knew, too. He knew what he was worth. So he died, I believe, in season five, but uh, he ascended. So he ascended and uh, joined uh, the the ancients. Uh, no shit. And he was gone for one season and uh, was able to because uh, ancients, like once uh, they they ascend, uh, they can come back, but it's a one time only thing. So it's like they can leave their that higher plane of existence and return to a corporeal form, but if they do, they're stuck that way. Uh, so oh, I see. So it's like he found opposite of yeah. And the ancients like swear that they're to a typical like sci-fi thing of like higher beings swearing non-interference type thing. Mm-hmm. But Daniel Jackson still, uh, I can't remember what it was, but he found out something that he really needed to convey to the SGC because he still cared about uh, his friends and all of that. So he decided to abandon uh, the the ancient, the realm of the ancients, and returned to Earth. And indeed, that means you can never go back. Means you can never go back. You can and go indeed, in once, and you you can leave, but you can't go back. And indeed, he uh, uh, came back to the show and uh, brought a lot of uh, ancient knowledge with him. Rad. Uh, I think that that's handled well. Yeah. Yeah. But it also kind of proves that there is like a 
another plane of existence beyond death if you're worthy, which is, ties into the spirituality and the, the how faith works yeah. in this. Yeah. So uh, what happens? The prior goes, prior goes, say no more. I'll be on my way. No. <laughs> no. no. Uh, so they, uh, uh, they, they, they set the bomb. They beam out. Uh, the prior like puts his hand on the Stargate. I thought, did he put it through it or on it? He put it on it. He put it on the, um, like one of the chevrons. Okay. Huh. Uh, and so the bomb goes off and uh, completely like destroys the atmosphere in there even further. Also makes the shield grow exponentially. At the same time, the shield starts growing exponentially and they're like... The Jaffa oh. here, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the Jaffa show up. But a little bit before the bomb goes off. Right, right. So uh, the Jaffa are led by uh, uh, Garrick, played by Louis Gossett Jr., uh, who uh, doesn't seem to like the Tauri very much. No, and, so, and indeed, he's like, hey, if you guys are really like on our side, you guys will shoot the force field with us. Uh, and uh, because, well, if you don't, uh, after we destroy this force field, uh, we're going to start shooting at you. And, and, on the, and in, on the yeah, Prometheus, they're like, they're like okay, <laughs> what are we going to do? Well, they're going to shoot at us if we don't fire. So I guess fire. open fire. And uh, Carter is like, oh, 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 everybody stop. Yeah, and this this is where this is where she starts figuring out uh, what's going on. So, and I I really like this explanation. She's like, so there was no way for uh, there was no way for them to draw enough power uh, to keep this gate going. The power was from the shield, and so that's how the gate. uh, And what they've done is because they don't have enough power to maintain this force field. What they've done is they've created a force field that actually feeds off of the energy weapons that they're firing at it, which is why the shield grew so quickly once they detonated this massive bomb inside of it. Indeed, almost the entire planet is engulfed by, by it, by the shield. And we, they start piecing things together. There's, um, Speaking of piecing things together, some uh, uh, material emerges from the Stargate and like goes into space. And uh, oh, when the force field envelops the planet, yeah, some shit comes through. Some shit comes through and uh, starts like interlocking in space, forming a giant ring. And... After hitting the um, the Stargates, uh, sorry, the um, after hitting their ship, seemingly like projectiles, but they're they weren't trying to wipe out the Jaffa because they did take out some ships. They're, they're making a formation out in space. Yeah. A big circular, uh, big circular formation. And, uh, this was a, uh, I got really excited at this moment. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's the fucking super gate. And they're, they're looking at it and they're like, what does that look like guys? Does that look like a stargate? And they're like, it looks like a super gate. Yeah, and uh, this is where Carter pieces it together. She's like, of course, so the shield was never meant to like protect the planet or like guard the Stargate or anything like that. It was never meant as being like a uh, a beachhead. The world was never planned to be uh, like a beachhead, which is a, a military term that I am only vaguely familiar with. A landing point. A landing For point. For enemy yeah. forces, yeah. Yeah. So, and she's like, 
Of course. So this thing that's uh, forming out in space is a giant stargate. And what the shield is designed to do is collapse the planet to create a worm, to create a black hole in order to power the supergate. And in, indeed, not even protect that um, original stargate, but to nope. envelop the planet. And the readings show that like the planet's like shrinking. And it's able to um, condense without destroying. And um, the, the, the force field basically keeps the planet from, um, you know, uh, splitting off and exploding and going off into space. And with anything, um, the, um, uh, what is it called? The, the Schwarzschild radius <laughs> is uh, how small any amount of matter um needs to be in order to create a black hole right uh so like for the planet earth to create a back black hole it needs to be shrunk to the the size of a basketball or a tennis ball or something like that right right um and that's what's happening here and i actually really like that because they're like the way they're keeping the stargate open from the other side was that they have a black hole on the other side. Yeah. That's how they were able to, to, to do that. Basically, almost infinite energy. And when they have the super gate, in order, if they got this black hole powered and they were able to harness it, it could keep this super gate open, which means that they yeah. would have a super gate on both ends that they could send because it's like, what, half a kilometer wide? It's huge. Um, uh, it's, they can keep uh, it open indefinitely. Uh, it's designed to send ships through. Yeah, and um, if they're from another galaxy and they're they're not in this galaxy yet, uh, this is bad news bears, folks. It is, and indeed, uh, they they end up uh, the the supergate uh, doesn't get formed. Uh, Vala uh, uh, reigns on their parade. She she stops it from happening. But um, uh, yeah, the, she steals like the scout ship of the Jaffa. Right. Uh, later on in the the series, I believe it's at the end of uh, season nine. Uh, they the the Ori do succeed in making a mm. super gate. So they they do this again. And uh, indeed, they couldn't have done this from their end without the Jaffa and mankind showing up to bomb the shit out of this force field uh, because they realized it was actually receding because it's consuming energy. But right. they were shooting at it and blowing it up feeding it more energy at a rate uh faster than the rate of that it was receding so if they hadn't interfered at all uh this the planet would have never have been in any danger and indeed the um uh they they radio the jaffa and they're like this is what's going on hey we were we were all duped we we were manipulated into doing we this. were bamboozled yeah and the jafar yeah. are like well we're piecing out of here <laughs> but we'll be watching you scum <laughs> and as the the super gate uh is being formed vala keeps like trying to interject and uh they basically uh, they're basically do pulling a shut up meg to her as she yeah and to. i was like she's been right this whole time i understand maybe at one point she was um antagonistic she was yeah but like somebody please listen to her <laughs> uh, can i can i also just take a quick moment to say that i love vala like i, I don't I, know I like much her. about her but i'm 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 liking the character I, I i like her personality she's got this like 
she's like kind of sarcastic and has this like kind of like uh jovial like playfulness to her yeah yeah and indeed when they show up on the ship they're like this is like super like military like like behave and she's like sure thing (laughs) uh yeah so they're not listening to her so she fucks off and uh rings over to uh the uh a jaffa scout ship that the uh that garrick had left behind cloaked uh in order to spy spy on the humans yeah (laughs) yeah yeah or to see what happens with all this yeah 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 uh, so she has the idea as the super gate is being formed. It's all these pieces of metal that are like interlocking uh, through energy. These different ships are uh, make those different parts of a stargate, but on a on a massive like scale that like electromagnetically fit together. Yeah, and Vala has figured out. Well, hey, that's kind of the same technology that these ships use to interlock with their their motherships. So. So if I fly this scout ship into the and block the the last part of this ring from um, uh, from uh, uh, like locking into the play, last link in a chain, the last a chain the, reference the, the yeah. last link in a chain. But I assume because it's all made out of uh, uh, Naquita, like the Jaffa ships are, I'm assuming and the, the piece, the, the Stargate technology, as I mentioned, is made out of Naquita. So I assume that's why the um, the Jaffa uh, scout ship is able to fly in and the gate is still able to conduct. The energy of the gate is still able to conduct. But because uh, it's a ship and not actually like the final piece of uh, the final link in this chain, uh, when it does actually the gate tries to open, it uh, destroys it. Oh, yeah, of course. And, they, and everybody knows this and um, in, in, indeed, the reason most of the Jaffa leave is because they're like, hey, when that planet goes kablooey, um, we need to get out of here. Yeah. Uh, but we can't go without uh, without um, without uh, Vala coming back. Um, and she doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't. Um, and when uh when her ship is destroyed along with uh the rest of the supergate uh daniel jackson faints like he starts like feeling weak because of their because they're still they have that connection they 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 have that connection yeah and so they they assume that vala must have died in the process but then uh the episode ends with um uh daniel jackson well, there's the chicken scene oh there as is the, the as the general comes and he's like bad bad near us <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's your that's your chicken scene where he's like whatever is this magnificent creature mm, mm, i must have more of it and he's like it's, it's chicken. chicken it's chicken. a delicacy here yeah. <laughs> a, a rare chicken. delicacy i must have more of it and landry is like i'll see if i can pull a few strings yeah but at the end um oh you know how you were talking about clever budgetary decisions right i forgot to mention very early on after he's done like showboating uh nearest drops his gold voice oh yeah i forgot to mention that because this is the first time we uh, in the show we've seen that so he drops his like his like uh so he drops his deep double voice that makes him sound like a god yeah and they're like hey your your voice changed and he's like oh we don't have to talk like that. And yeah. I'm like, for... 
okay, okay. <laughs> and uh, indeed, uh, shortly uh, after this, uh, uh, Ball in particular, like a lot of the time, like stops doing the uh, the the double voice thing. It's extra money to pay somebody to like modulate the their voices like the transformers. So I get it. Yeah. <laughs> it also humanizes them somewhat. I, yeah. I thought it was well handled. <laughs> I like that. And at the end, when um the 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 when the jig is up for right. Miris, um, he's like, it doesn't matter. By now your people would have Try, would have uh, accelerated the bomb or the the gate and now all of the Ori are coming into our galaxy <laughs> and they will take me amongst their highest ranks and he's like actually we fucked them up oh, impossible <laughs> either yeah, well, either way they'll eventually come which he, he he's not wrong uh, yeah as you explained earlier well yeah they'll they'll make it there's a lot of stargates in the galaxy, right? Yeah. Uh, actually, the the way they end up dealing with the Ori, uh, they don't even resolve the Ori uh, storyline in um, uh, in the show proper. Uh, they they released a directed video movie uh, in 2008, like right after uh, called uh, right after the show ended, called Stargate: The Arc of Truth, that tied everything up. Oh, okay. There, there you go. Yeah, and then they released another uh, direct-to-video movie after that called Stargate Continuum, which was the first Blu-ray I ever bought. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Fancy. I can't remember what the first one I ever bought was. Dark and, Knight? Uh, the, well, I bought Stargate Continuum and Batman Begins on Blu-ray at the, like, at the same time. So those nice. were the first two Blu-rays <laughs> back in the day. Memories. Uh, and yeah, what, what happens at the, at the very are. end? What's that? Oh, and you still have them? Yeah, and this was like uh, 14 years ago, and I still have them. Amazing. Uh, so what happens so uh, to round up Beachhead? Um, the, they're like, they're like, I suppose uh, Nearest is like, I suppose he puts his scary voice back on. Yeah, I suppose you'll have to execute me, which matters not. I shall join join the Ori. I will just ascend. I will just ascend, and they're like, no, no, you're going to jail forever, and. Uh, and we're not going to feed you. And um, something worse than death is going to be subjected. You're going to be subjected to. And he's like, oh, what could possibly be worse than death? Hunger. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, I, think, I thought was funny. Because <laughs> uh, the, the, the Gwold, um, uh people who are uh, uh, being possessed by uh, Gwold symbiotes, uh, they don't need to eat. This guy is just a gluttonous pig. He just... oh. That's fitting. They don't need yeah. to eat? No, they don't need to eat. Oh, shit. How do they gain energy? Uh, the Gwold, uh symbiote uh, maintains a person's uh, like everything they need. Is it like sunlight? Or do they go into charging pods? I'm so curious now. <laughs> no, the uh, it, it's never like really explained. It, it's just they... They, they, they have Gwold, an immense energy. The, the Gwold, uh symbiotes can like maintain a person. Oh, and maybe they've got like little like biological nuclear net, like some sort of like ability to properly, uh, you, do they need to breathe? Uh, that I don't know. Hmm. They must. They must, right? Yeah. So maybe they're just way more efficient at using oxygen and 
and the air to uh to power their bodies yeah, yeah let's go with that but yeah at the very end um i think jackson's recovering which means the the bracelet separation thing was going to recover anyway yeah but um yeah vala uh sacrificed her life to save the the galaxy but uh yeah so they're visiting uh daniel jackson in the hospital and uh carter mentions that so there was a brief like uh like line of energy leaving the ship right before it exploded so there there's at least a chance that she ringed out and he's like huh so you're saying she she ringed out uh into the wormhole and now she's uh she could be in the ori like home galaxy right maybe <laughs> yeah and and carter's like maybe <laughs> and daniel's like well we wanted to send them a message uh, they uh, and, uh let me tell you those two totally fuck that's what i was thinking i'm yeah. like come on let's be real <laughs> There, there's an episode I think I think it might be the episode where um because he's always like manhandling her covering her mouth or like pushing her around and I'm like there's something going on there I think it's the episode that introduces her it might be a season seven or a season eight episode but um I, I think she tries to steal a ship that Daniel is on they they fight and stuff like that in that episode and let me tell you it's um uh for uh for like a, a sci-fi show from like the 2000s um it's a, it's a pretty sexy episode is what i'm gonna say so folks uh yeah val is gone for now um the ori is gone for, uh, now. for now um it's episodic but like gone it, it's well it's episodic but there it, it like i said the, the 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 latter seasons of sg1 the show did become much more serialized than it was in the early seasons even though this is serialized i thought i thought they packed a lot into this and it was well paced so uh cal you just caught a random episode of stargate sg1 are you uh would you would you tune in next week hell yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i'm i i had fallen off the Stargate SG-1 wagon when I was like a teen, uh, but um, that that's intriguing to me. Uh, I like their level of sci-fi explanation versus Star Trek or Star Wars. Like, I really like that they've got this advanced ship and they're just Tomahawk missiles on it. I yeah. like that they, they try to defeat the enemy with a big old bomb. <laughs> uh, there's... Uh, the, the the gripes on it are just kind of like, why won't anyone listen to Vala? Which kind of is its own trope. So like, it's okay because that leads to her taking action at the end. Right. She's literally interrupted like five times, which leads to that final scene. And um, yeah, I'm curious to see where it, where it goes. Uh, how about yourself? Uh, or, uh, <laughs> I don't. I, maybe I don't need to ask this, but because you talked about buying the, the series earlier, but uh, how about yourself, Siege? Would you tune in next week? Um, yeah, I, I think I'm actually going to buy the uh, the complete series. I, I own um, Stargate Atlantis, the complete series on Blu-ray. It was a, a Christmas gift from a, a former partner of mine years ago. So I own uh, Atlantis, um, but I don't own SG-1. I think I'm going to buy the complete series on... Uh, 
on uh, iTunes and uh, give it the old rewatch because I it's fun. I don't know. It's fun and like I kind of miss TV like this. You mentioned you mentioned that earlier. Um, I believe I mentioned that off air. Yeah, off yeah, off air. Uh, you had said that like you just kind of miss TV like this. What's what's that feel? What what is? Uh, it's just it the the show like it's of its time, but it like I I find it's aged quite well. I yeah uh, I dug this. It's fun. It's playful. It's adventurous. It's exciting. It's got like it's actually got like a lot of like neat lore surrounding it. It does like, have I, a lot of neat neat lore. Like uh, I found myself asking you questions about like, oh how about this and what about this and I, I think its world is unique. Because it, it it comes from the perspective of humanity starting from scratch and expanding on that from there rather than Star Trek, which is kind of already in the the far future. Yeah. And and I, I think the journey is handled um slow and steady and uh has an air of believability to it. Yeah, and like this was something that like sci-fi shows in particular of the 2000s like we did a warehouse 13 i i these are all like it's this is all tv of the same vein like this warehouse 13 like eureka um it was just an era of like really like fun but also adventure and exciting like genre tv that we just i i find we don't really get much of anymore yeah, I know what you mean. And it's got like that that cast of characters and reoccurring characters and episodic. They're usually episodic, but there's a greater plot going. And then near a season end, there's like usually like two part or three part wrap ups. Because yeah, yeah. and I find genre TV nowadays in uh, like the early 2020s is. Um, it's either the CW, so it's like super melodramatic. Or it's very like brooding and takes itself seriously. Yeah, and there, I think you can do both. Uh, I I think there's a storytelling. There's an angle of storytelling, uh, and it's actually what I try to do whenever I run my kind of like tabletop games or, or whenever I uh, read books that have an air of comedy and have an air of playfulness but have arcs that are really serious or involve like immense danger right but you can get through them because you know that like the main characters will persevere right they're they're heroes god damn it (laughs) right and um yeah, with the kind of super serious, like grim, dark kind of like angle that a lot have, where it's like there's almost no wins. You you want these guys to win, <laughs> right? Yeah, and it, that slow, steady progression of them getting more tech, and they have a spaceship, <laughs> and and they do win. Um, I don't know. I want the good guys to win. <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah. So. Agreed. Anyway. I like I said I, I I miss uh television like this and uh, this was really fun to go back to and I'm definitely going to be watching uh more SG1 rewatching more SG1 uh probably today
There you go. <laughs> uh, so that was episode 41 of the Lasercomb podcast. Uh, if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash lasercomb. L-A-Z-O-R-C-O-M-B. We now have a single $5 tier or $7 if you're in Canada. Uh, that gets you the ability to pick a show for us to review a random episode of on this very podcast. Also gets you our news and current events program, Laser Comb Tonight, our commentary tracks, and our uh, preamble audio. Uh, there's probably not going to be preamble audio, much preamble audio for this uh, podcast, but usually there's, uh, there's, there's preamble audio yeah. uh, week in and week out of any of the various shows that we do. So go check that out, patreon.com slash lasercomb. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash lasercomb, or you can follow me on Twitter at lasercomb, and Cal, you are at? I am on the Twitter as well at neocal, N-E-O underscore K-A-L. Uh, it's a doubleheader of uh, Stargate with the uh, with the Lasercomb podcast, so we're going to follow up Stargate SG-1 uh, with uh, Stargate Atlantis. Oh so. boy, I've never seen any Stargate Atlantis. Uh, I actually like Atlantis a little bit more than like I love both of them, but I like yes. Atlantis a little bit more <laughs> than SG One. So uh, we're gonna hit screen share as always. Figure out how many episodes it had. Uh, exactly one hundred. Oh, they they a nice perfectly round number. Uh, and uh, you know why that is? Is because to sell a show into syndication, uh, you typically right. hundred episodes. <laughs> So they they took it to exactly episode 100 and uh, and uh, ended the series. So we're going to go to the old trusty random number generator. So one random number is between well, one. That's, well, that's going, the, the rando num- numberator. Uh, syndication, what do you mean when you need a... Uh, what so, do you mean by that? Uh, I'll explain that in just a second. Okay. Uh, so we landed on episode 76. So that is uh, season four, episode 16, Trio. Don't know what that is, but uh, I'm sure it's going to be an episode that when I fire it up, I'll be like, oh, right, it's this episode. Immediately remember. Uh, so what syndication is, is, you know, when you're watching um, like TV during the daytime or like TV during the evening and you'll see like back-to-back episodes like reruns like back-to-back episodes of the big bang theory or like two and a half yeah. or mash so after a show has completed its run the network that it originally aired on will sell the episode will sell the show uh will release it into syndication so basically smaller networks can buy the rights to air reruns of this show and that's why for like 15 years friends was on like every channel <laughs> yep yep um and uh typically uh, some shows get around this but typically the rule is that a show uh needs to be have at least 100 episodes in order for uh smaller and independent networks to be willing to uh purchase the show to broadcast in syndication because you know, presumably they're going to be showing it like one or two episodes, like five, five days a week. So it needs right. to, they, they need to stretch out that programming. Okay. Okay. Well, there we go. There we go. Uh, so yeah, more, you know, uh, and knowing is half the battle and that about does it for, uh, uh the laser cone podcast this week. I've been one of your hosts, the siege and I'm Neo Cal. 
Thanks for listening. We will dial home next time. Take a trip to another dimension.